0: Last week on the Seventies Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. Do you dress up for the trick or treaters as I don't know Frank Zappa or something? Cool in the gang. Number thirty-two. So do they
1: use their bread to buy bread?
2: Yeah, or, or are...
1: just
0: the best of bread? Or do they buy jazz cigarettes?
1: I want the opposite. I went bad. Ah, okay. I don't like. I don't like this version, and I don't like.
0: Bob's either. Okay, cross that off the Christmas list. Did you have a name for your garage band? Yes.
1: Do you want to know what it was? Yeah,
0: please. Daughter Angela wasn't born yet, and he said, quote, in those days you didn't know what sex the thing was going to be until it popped out. (laughs) What a lovely sentimental thing for a father to say about his daughter.
1: (laughs) That's right, because five years later he'd be arrested for heroin.
0: Yeah, by the
3: mounties.
4: But he thanks them.
3: (laughs) Into the northern region of Canada at the close of the nineteenth century, wrote Dudley Dureight of the Mounties. Lonely defender of justice and fair play.
1: That's okay. I I, I talked over you, or I tooted over you.
0: That <laughs> manners to toot over someone.
1: <laughs> well, you know why? Things. Because the chairman of the board said so.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't go do, against what Frank.
1: <laughs> what are you, you going to do? <laughs> okay. You're, you're going to wind up like you know Don Rickles. You know, working you know the five a.m. show at the Flamingo. You're right, Frank. Sorry, Frank. Well, it's your choice. You can open for me at the Meadowlands or headline at the TikTok Inn.
0: Or worse, you'll be in a barrel in Lake Mead that washes <laughs> up when the, <laughs> the drought comes. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. <laughs> How many shows had that trope with the doppelganger to the, or the cousin that looked like, I mean... You know, you had Samantha well, and uh yeah. also Serena, Genie's, yeah,
4: and Jeannie's yeah.
0: cousin. Yeah. You had
1: uh on Hogan's Heroes, Kinchlow's uh African <laughs> Prince. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had and Charlie's Angels, Sam Davis Jr. playing himself. So Six million like a- dollar
0: man even. Oh, yeah, Mannix had one, too. There was a guy going around town doing all... There was the Flintstones episode where the UFO comes down and he replicates like a a hundred (laughs) threads and then he comes home from work and everyone's yelling at him for all the stuff he did. He's just walking around going, yabba, dabba, too. (laughs) Oh, we could go... We could do a whole podcast on the the doppelgangers.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Another another Beatles uh, connection because... Uh, Joe Walsh is married to Barbara Bach's sister.
0: Mm. Oh, Bach. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not. Is she like a twin sister? <laughs> 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 Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo.
2: Hello, Peter. What's happening?
3: And uh, getting back to our music, here is Mr. Roger Williams at the uh, Steinway. I think it's this time, but maybe it's a Buick.
1: Well, it's autumn. So the autumn leaves are falling and uh, this is a pretty song. Yeah. Ever, remember remember bob Steele
0: play this playing this on the I, buick I, I i do remember this yeah yeah
1: yeah so uh how many trick-or-treaters did you get at halloween
0: uh zero zero, uh, zero. Yeah. live in about, an apartment you know <laughs> yeah. we got about
1: 11 or 12. really and it was great because we give out the big candy bars and this little boy probably about eight years old he, goes running from the front of our house, jackpot, jackpot, (laughs) big candy bars.
0: So it was nice.
1: So uh, you getting ready for the time change?
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess.
1: But by the time this comes out, everyone will have gotten in their fender benders, I guess, right? And
0: uh, And, uh, probably next time we record, it'll be dark out by the time we start
1: yeah yeah definitely by the time we end uh, a couple weeks ago i had my 40th high school reunion and uh i made up a new batch of 70s a weekend down with mark and pete business cards and i passed them out to to people that i was friendly with and i'm still i guess kind of friendly with we went to my wife's homecoming where our daughter goes to school What a beautiful day. 80 degrees at the football game, and uh, that was very nice. Nice. Uh, Is golf over?
0: Pretty much, I think. I played last week. It's uh, 43 degrees right now, so it's uh, too cold for golf, or at least 43 where I am. But um, I just got back from my trip down to Texas, Austin, Visit my sister and my brother number two. Also go to the F1 race. And um at Saturday night at the F one race, they had Queen playing. We ended up because last year they had Billy Joel and we we went to the stage, but it's it's a mob scene. And and last year when we left, by the time we got to the car, it was like, we can hear the thing better here from the parking lot than we can. You know, miles from the stage inside. So we we just went to the parking lot and had a couple of beers and, and listened to uh, Queen play a few songs. So that was really cool.
1: Is that Queen with Paul Rogers?
0: Uh No, it's with Adam Lambert. He he to me sounds more like Steve Perry than he does uh, Freddie Mercury. But, but I don't think anyone sounds like Freddie Mercury really. But as long it, as it
1: doesn't sound like Shatner, uh, that'd be great. Queen with Shatner.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What do you, (laughs) Sprechstimme, the whole (laughs) whole thing? Too late. My
3: time has come. Sends shivers down my spine.
5: Body's aching all the time. Sprechstimme.
0: I also went to the, uh, for those of you watching on Channel 18, I went to the Texas Music Museum in Austin. Mm-hmm. And saw some interesting stuff. Uh, they have, they don't have enough room in this museum. They they kind of have to rotate exhibits. Because I was like, uh, oh, where's Stevie Ray Vaughan? And they're like, oh, we could fill a whole, a whole floor with his stuff, but uh, they, they have to rotate stuff in and out. But I did see Joe Tex, who we've had oh. on the countdown. Joe and, Tex
1: and the sexolettes.
0: Is that the same guy? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're thinking of. Uh, who was that guy? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Disco Tex. Disco
1: Tex in the Sex
0: and I don't, I don't think he's from Texas. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the, yeah, a lot of you know old country stuff. Your uh, favorite, yeah. You know, Willie Nelson. They I, they had one of those Edison, you know, original phonographs with the cylinders, and they played a song on that and. I was amazed at the quality. I thought it was maybe unhearable, but it was good.
1: Was it Cohen on the phone?
0: <laughs> no. Uh, you I know forget- what Cohen on the phone is? No, I don't.
1: Yeah, it's this Yiddish humor that was done <laughs> in like 1913. I was listen- I was listening to a Jack Benny uh, radio program from 1953, and uh, they were talking about no one could dance to Cohen on the phone. So you got to go way back to understand any of this stuff. It's like I was talking about like Bobby Sherman and stuff, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it sounds vaguely familiar. But uh, one other thing I want to mention too. So I, I visited with uh, brother no, number two, who lives out there, and I was asking him if he remembered that story about the uh, precious. Shut inf- up. Yes. Shut up. Precious and few in the car and he he said oh yeah he he was the one that was in the car with the other guys so, <laughs> and he, he was he was laughing he was in hysterics uh, talking about that so we, we had a good laugh about that so yeah good trip very hot out there so uh just one quick uh not quick but a couple of uh in memoriams some people passed away that were big in the 70s uh rudolph eisley founding member of the Isley Brothers. He passed away on October 11th at the age of 84. He had retired from music and become a minister. Seems like a lot of of those uh, R&B guys did that back in the day, Mm -hmm. retired. And then, of course, uh, Suzanne Summers, October 14th. She she was one day shy of her 78th birthday. So obviously a big, big star in in the late 70s. And then uh, Richard Roundtree, star of Shaft, passed away on October 24th at the age of 81. So rest in peace. I never
1: saw Shaft.
0: Yeah. Uh, The original, uh, the the soundtrack is great. The the movie. All righty. So um, Pete and I have been friends for 35 plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. And in each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we will provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled The Agonizer. And we'll give our individual A-plus through F-grade for the entire countdown, since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering.
1: All right, so today's episode number 63 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, American Top 40, for the week ending November, or November 13th, 1976. And the title of this episode is Don't Fear the Muskrat Love.
0: All right. So can you talk about what you were doing in mid November of 1976?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can. Well, I was in the sixth grade. And going to my father's date book, the 11th, of course, in his date book, for those of you watching on, on Channel 18, says uh, Veterans Day traditional because of course veterans day was on October 25th <laughs> okay. before they before they fixed all that. There was a, a potluck dinner with the International Ladies Circle at the uh uh at 6:30 on this day. And uh Sunday the next day was uh was stewardship Sunday at church, which was big if I recall. And my father weighed 197 pounds that day. And uh, let's see, I weighed myself this morning. He was, what, 42 years old. I'm now a lot older than that. And uh, <laughs> I weigh 195 this morning. So I'm doing a little better. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, kind of a busy month because, of course, Thanksgiving's coming up. And uh, But in the notes section of of the book here, it says, Tandy, Kit for Slippers. So remember Tandy Leather, the leather in downtown uh, big city?
2: Oh yeah,
1: yeah. 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 And so my father went to get a a kit for slippers. Now, I don't know if I was I don't think I was still an Indian guide's then, and I don't know if he was making his own slippers or I don't know. But there's still a Tandy Leather down at the end of the Turnpike near the uh Ocean State Job Lot uh, down in Berlin. Oh wow! Um, and I walked in there for something, uh, and I didn't buy anything. But I don't know how a place like that can stay open. You know, I haven't been down there in a while, but uh, you know, everything's online nowadays. Yeah did, did you ever go to Tandy
0: Leather? I, I didn't, but it's funny when you first said that, I thought he got he was getting like a kit from Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> As we know, a TND company. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I I know out in the garage it came from my folks' house when we cleaned it out uh, three and a half years ago. There's a kit to make a pocket protector. Ah. So I, I haven't done it yet. But this pocket protector, which was my father's, I th- think I got him as leather, and it's well sewn together. I've been using it for a whole bunch of years. I think my mother might have given it to me before. You know, after my father passed, but I use a pocket protector because I know where all my pencils are.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: And my highlighter and my screwdriver and my Sharpie, all that good stuff.
0: I remember working with you. You had all that stuff handy. Yeah.
1: uh,
0: (laughs) So what were you up to uh, around then? Um, Yeah. I don't have too many memories. I was in the the seventh grade, but um, I did dig out Gail's, at at this point, her journal, showing that on Channel 18. She has two of these. It's a larger, white, sort of fancier book, and it has a little cartoon of a little girl looking at some flowers, and it says, remember, joys are never past. It's a hallmark. It's not love
1: is, is it? No. love is.
0: Now it says Betsy Clark is the artist. It's a Hallmark product. So not too much to note. It's just uh, Gail talks about the the election, presidential election that had just occurred. And um, she was more of a fan of Gerald Ford, but she said, she knew carter was going to win she didn't think he was all he was cracked up to be <laughs> so didn't elaborate on that and then she just talked about her and her cousin at this point they were making plans to move to california when they got a little older but uh, that that never occurred so ah. just just some some dreams or whatever so yeah mm-hmm. yeah that that's what uh, was going on with her did did we
1: did we make any boo-boos last week
0: yeah, we had a few boo-boos the or stuff we didn't remember correctly. So we'll do our correction section right here.
2: I was... Mm. <laughs> I was not exactly right. You mean you were
4: wrong? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfi. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah.
0: I think the first one, um, somehow Erin Gray came up, the actress... And uh, it was stated that she was on Battlestar Galactica. She was actually on Buck Rogers. I could, I could see all the science fiction nerds in our audience going, "Oh wait a minute, she was not on <laughs> <laughs> Battlestar Galactica." And then, uh, yeah, you give well, me who a little- was on Battlestar Galactica then? I know Jane Seymour was on it for a, for a little while, and there was a blonde. I don't remember her name. Doctor Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really? think she was on only a couple episodes. Maybe I think they killed Did her. Did you ever off watch through... Doctor
1: Quinn, Medicine
0: Woman? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember my mom used to really like that show yeah. when it was on. I,
1: I I never I never watched it, but I know later that uh, my wife's high school alma mater. Uh, Barbara Babcock,
0: oh, uh, went yeah. to
1: the same place that my wife and my daughter went to high school.
0: Ah, okay. And wasn't she on? Um, was it Hill Street Blues?
1: Yeah, she was also on Star Trek. Oh, okay, uh, and, that's right. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And what is she? On whenever board? I
1: see her, whenever I see her, I say, Cheryl, there's there's this person from your alma mater. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't she on, um, a couple episodes of Star Trek, at least I think. I think she was. I yeah. Recall. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so you, you had given me a hard time about, uh, that I pronounced genre genre, I believe, but when I would, <laughs> when I was editing, I think you just misheard it. Cause I think I said it right. and And I could, <laughs> I could insert the clip right here and let the audience decide. <laughs> released at a time before the genre was mainstream what's what's a genre is that, is that something i just said nevertheless it was kind of a <laughs> funny exchange so so fair enough
1: <laughs> oh, and I, I, I apologize
0: yeah well that's okay it, it, i it's not like i never mispronounced stuff on this show or in life gener- generally but uh another thing that came up is we were talking about the song volare And I was insistent that it was done by Dean Martin. And you were like, are you sure? (laughs) And you thought it was someone else. And so it's actually been done by a lot of people. And you might have been thinking of Al Martino had it hit with it in 1975. But it was originally done by an Italian singer-songwriter, Domenico Modugno. Domenico Modugno. And it was written by him and Franco Migliacci. Franco Migliacci. It was released as a single in 1958 on February 1st. Spent five non-consecutive weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100. And subsequently became Billboard's number one single for the year in 1959. This recording became the first ever Grammy winner for both Record of the Year and Song of the Year. And during its U.S. release, 15 other recordings of the song were also on release, including Dean Martin's Valari, which t- mm-hmm. uh, total sold over 1.5 million records. And other popular versions were done by Bobby Rydell in 1960. That one went to number four. And as we mentioned, Al Martino's version in 75 went to number 33. So I guess I was wrong or, or wrong to say that uh, Dean Martin was the only guy that did it. I don't think I said that necessarily, but that was... No, you didn't. Yeah. But you were correct in in saying that it was done by others for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of others. About, Fifteen well, recordings I, of the same, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I was really because we had our last episode which was from 1973, and I was so excited thinking... That's when we got the Volkswagen bus.
3: A new car.
1: No, we bought the bus in 1972 because we drove it across country in 1973. So oh. I gave gas prices from 1972. So gas was 41 point, you know, 41.9 cents a gallon in. Uh, early November 1973. So uh, I I listened, I'm like, something's wrong here. So oh, okay. not the first time. You know, <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's time for the mailbag.
0: Ah, I forgot about the mailbag.
3: That's good. Oh, may I remind you this would seem to be unnecessary, but I will remind you that the postcard requires a 15 cent stamp that's been going on for some time now. Put a 15 cent stamp on a postcard and a 25 cent stamp on your one ounce letter and everything will be fine.
1: So anyhow, I got a postcard Ah, showing it to everybody on channel 18. Uh, yeah. and it says, Austin, and uh, it's the state capital of Texas. And uh, I've been there a couple of times for a conference. And, of course, a first-class stamp was used.
2: Yeah,
0: Shame
1: on you, wasting uh, money. I'm a first-class
0: and guy. Yeah. You are a
1: first-class guy. <laughs> so uh, it says, greetings from Austin. Saw the F1 race in Queen and visited my siblings. Mark. This is like the thank you note that my my folks got from my cousin, Greg, at <laughs> 1973 Christmas. Yeah. Thank you for the tie. I enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I guess I figured I'd be talking to you for several hours.
4: <laughs> <this week.
0: laughs> and uh, I, so just out of curiosity, what is uh what is a postcard stamp nowadays because our, our friends
1: 49 I think it's 49 cents
0: okay because I our friend Bob Steele was saying what was it 25 cents back then 15 cents I think
1: I think that was 1988 or so ah, okay okay yeah I
0: I actually gotta I gotta get some more stamps so I, I promise you I'll get some postcard stamps and, and and do it correctly from going forward just didn't have any handy <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, thank you, thank you. This yeah. this will go into uh, into the postcard collection, and uh, yeah. thank you for thinking of me.
0: Yeah, yeah. All righty. So, um, let's uh, take a look at some of the news headlines from uh, the period of mid uh, November, nineteen seventy six. On November seventh, Gone with the Wind, the nineteen thirty nine Oscar winning film epic starring Vivian Leigh and Clark Gable makes its broadcast television debut on NBC. I think I kind of remember that because it was like a, a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. And I think I saw part of it. And then, of course, when it was on TV, that's when Carol Burnett did that, you know, world famous skit. You yeah. Know, I saw it hanging in the window.
4: Yeah.
0: Moving on to November 15th, some of the magazine covers, Time magazine had Jimmy Carter election exclusive quote, What Will I Do? Newsweek, Jimmy Carter, quote, the new look. And then People Magazine had Rosalind Carter, the new first lady. So um, that was the presidential election was in the news, of course, yeah. as, as we talked about a little bit.
1: Right. And I tell you, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter was supposed to be on his deathbed, and I think he's still with us.
0: So, yeah. God yeah. bless him. Yeah, I mean you know how how long ago was this countdown and he was what in his in his 50s when he was president late 50s i think yeah 50s. yeah i think yeah.
1: he's like 97 years old or something yeah so. yeah yeah he's a good uh, man yeah
0: yeah and then uh november 16th
1: you know i'm 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 wearing a sweater
0: yeah Oh, in honor of uh, the, the... No, because
1: it's cold in the basement. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is like a fireside chat, only oh, you're by the furnace, right? <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> anyway, uh, November 16th, Rick Barry ends then the longest NBA free throw streak at 60 in a row. And what was uh, unique about the way he did free throws? You
1: remember, didn't he do it like uh, like Gomer Pyle, like do it underhand? He did it underhand,
0: yeah. It, uh, it looked ridiculous that his accuracy was fantastic.
1: Wasn't he also in Mama's family?
0: No, that was Ken Berry's brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he wasn't his brother. We'll have to put that in the corrections next time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, moving on, uh, November 20th. George Harrison appears on Saturday Night Live. Uh, they had him haggling with Lorne Michaels, and then he performed Here Comes the Sun and Homeward Bound with Paul Simon. He was on quite a bit, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. Harrison, and then Paul Simon was on, like, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 1976 Tech. November 26th, a little-known company called Microsoft is officially registered with the Office of the Secretary of State of New Mexico.
1: Wasn't it spelled micro-soft originally?
0: I think it was, yeah. Yeah. So
1: you have a typo here.
0: Yeah, I guess I uh, left the dash out. I I don't know if I copy and pasted that or or typed it myself, but uh, good good on you for finding that.
1: Well, yeah, because they saved a lot of ink by getting yeah. rid of the dash.
0: Yeah, they probably saved a billion dollars, just like the uh, airlines did when they, you know, give you one less almond <laughs> in your <laughs> in your bag. <laughs> the weight.
1: <laughs> so, uh, with the new president, uh, because uh, whip inflation now failed, what was the economy like?
0: Yeah, yeah, not 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 good to be coming in as uh, as the new president. Uh, the unemployment rate was eight and a half percent uh inflation rate 8.7 percent high but not as high as it got in the 70s but uh, the same buying power of today's dollar was about 19 cents back then cost of a regular gallon of gasoline was 59 cents that would be three dollars and 19 cents today and does that match your real time data
1: Well, you're pretty darn close. So on the 12th, which is uh, what the Wednesday before this or no, the day before this, um, the Dasher was filled up for 55.9 cents a gallon and it got 26.15 miles per gallon. But the Volkswagen bus was filled up uh, the next week on the 18th. It was 59.9 cents a gallon and it got uh, 17.26 miles per gallon.
0: All right, so you know, I don't, I don't deal with the decimals, but that was yeah, right on, right on the money there.
1: Yeah, yep. well, I think my father also kind of rounded because when I do the math, it's not always nine tenths of a cent. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, was he? I,
1: it? Why? 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 Why does the oil companies, you know, make it nine tenths of a cent?
0: I don't know. I mean, I, it, th- did it make more sense back then when we were dealing with, you know, it being under a dollar but now that nine tenths or whatever is
1: i don't know i, I think i think we should have a spin-off podcast
0: <laughs> gas prices <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah anyhow
0: any anything on the tv yeah yeah that's of sort of interesting stuff um uh wednesday november 10th abc at eight o'clock the bionic woman uh, episode is black magic uh, it's uh, season two episode six but the cast here vincent price william wyndham julie newmar and Abe Vagoda. what wow. a cast that's absolutely <laughs> that's like a, an all-star cast for sure yeah um i don't th- i don't remember that episode do you
1: I don't recall that. You would yeah. think that would have been, you know, the Halloween episode. But Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. A, maybe the, they had the World Series on NBC then, and they pushed it back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is it on NBC? It was, was this, on it was ABC. ABC, ABC, ABC maybe, this maybe the World
1: Series was on ABC.
0: Yeah, yeah, could have been. Yeah. So uh, moving on, uh, same thing on uh, Wednesday, November 10th, CBS at 9. Uh, They had a movie on Death Wish from 1974 with Charles Bronson, Hope Lang, Vincent Gardenia, and Stuart Margolin.
1: Now, was he on Rockford Files?
0: Uh, Stuart Stuart Margolin. Yeah. Yeah. He played Uh, Angel. And Vincent Gardenia was uh, Archie Bunker's neighbor, Frank Lorenzo.
1: Oh, okay. I never saw Death Wish.
0: Yeah. 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 I've seen it. Pretty, pretty good movie. Kind of interesting. Uh, and moving on Friday, November 12th, uh, ABC at nine, there's a TV movie, the boy in the plastic bubble starring John Travolta and Robert Reed and Buzz Aldrin. You know, wow! Celebrity. I didn't
1: know Robert. I knew that, that John Travolta was in it, but I did not know Robert Reed was in it. Yeah. Was he, I, was he a very good father? Um, he's so, he's such a good father. Yeah, was I he Like, you know, get out of the bubble.
0: I don't even know if he played the father. Cause I didn't, I never saw that. Uh, Mm. I I remember seeing ads for it, but I never watched it. Moving on to Saturday, November 13th, ABC at 9, The Battle of the Network Stars with, listen to these people, Gabe Kaplan, Farrah Fawcett, Hal Linden, Penny Marshall, Loretta Swit, Jimmy Walker, Telly Savalas, Robert Conrad, Adrian Barbeau, Barbara Parkins, Kevin Ty. Tim Matheson. And should I
1: know Kevin Ty or Tim Matheson?
0: Tim Matheson went on to a to a pretty big movie career. I think he was in uh, uh Animal House, uh, among other things. And hmm. uh Kevin Ty is an uh, Emergency. What is,
1: is he, he is he is he a paramedic?
0: It, it, who played uh Randy Mantu's partner? I thought that was a guy that no, I'm thinking of the
1: guy from Adam-12. All
0: right. Well, we're confused, and uh, maybe I'll insert the corrections here. Okay. Then <laughs> yeah. moving on to Sunday, November 14th, NBC at 7, the wonderful world of Disney, and they had the Apple Dumpling Gang. Wow. Bill uh, Bixby. Yeah. Bill Bixby, Susan Clark, Don Knotts, Tim Conway, Slim Pickens, and Harry Morgan. I remember being in grammar school and them showing us this movie in the auditorium. Yeah. Um, I
1: don't think I've ever seen it. And,
0: and, and it was it was quite funny. Of course, you know, Don Knotts and Tim Conway. Yeah. You can't go wrong.
3: Right.
0: And then uh, moving on to Monday, November 15th, ABC at 8, The Captain and Tennille.
4: Duo, Captain, and (laughs)
0: Tenille. Season one, episode eight. And she had, uh, excuse me, they had Gladys Knight and the Pips and also Red Fox and Donnie Most. So, quite the show Did you see
1: that uh, Donnie Most buddy just turned, what, 78 a couple weeks ago? Uh, Who's that? Henry Winkler.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did see some stuff going by on Twitter, and that interesting. I, I didn't think I, I um, you should you should have said Ralph Mouse, buddy, and then I, oh, <laughs> I <got> okay. It. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, on the next day, uh, Tuesday, November sixteenth, Tony Orlando and Don Rainbow Hour, uh, season three, episode eight, with Johnny Cash. Nice. So, so you know, the seventies, big with the. uh, Variety shows. I kind of miss them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they'd be any good now,
0: anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't. Well, unless they had the old stars from the 90s. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: yeah. Any Anything at the Rialto Theater, the Paris Theater?
0: Yeah, a couple big movies that you probably heard of. I don't know if you saw, but uh, November 14th, Carrie, based on Stephen King's first novel, starring Sissy Spacek and John Travolta. Uh.
1: Yeah, yeah. I never saw it.
0: The uh, November Fourteenth Network, directed by Sidney Lumet, starring Faye Dunaway, Peter Finch, and uh, William Holden, and Robert Duvall. Do you remember the famous line from that movie? Even if you never I, saw it, I, I do
1: know the line because they would play it on overnight radio. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just had it in my mind, I, I'm, I'm sick of it, and I'm not going to take it anymore, or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take yeah. it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, I never saw something. the full movie either, but I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I never
1: saw network.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh finally November 21st, Rocky, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burgess Meredith and Burt Young who uh just passed away on October 8th. And that got Best Picture of 1977.
1: Spoiler alert, I've never seen that either. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) That's kind of surprising. Big, big movie. But all righty. So I guess all our business is taken care of. So now, as Casey would say, on with the countdown.
1: So I had to record this off of the YouTube, it's a terrible video. Got these guys, these hairy guys from the 70s playing the fiddle and the guitar. Jello.
0: there it is uh, living thing and uh, this is by ELO, the electric light orchestra off their album a new world record and uh this was in our episode 39 from January 29th of 1977. It peaked uh, in between here and there at number 13 and was the uh, 77th uh, most popular song of the year. The song features uncredited vocals by Patti Quattro, sister of Susie Quattro, also Bree Brant and Addie Lee, who are all one-time members of the female rock group Fanny, and according to Susie Quattro's autobiography, the trio sang the higher and higher parts.
1: All right, I'm going neutral on this.
0: Yeah, I I went good. So my, uh, my
1: recording off of Sirius XM didn't have that, and it kind of starts a little bit into the beginning of number 39.
4: See, if it was okay to use their bad bo. Oh, baby, baby, hotline, hotline. Calling on the hotline for your love, for your line. Hotline, hotline. Calling on the hotline on the
0: hotline. So, there is. hotline by the Silvers. Off their album Something Special. Uh, this is debuting on the top 40 this week. It was in our episode 39, also from January 77, where it was peaking at number five and it was uh, number 25 on the year end chart. And uh, the song was written by Freddie Perrin along with Kenneth St. Louis. Perrin co wrote and co produced songs, including i will survive by gloria Gaynor and shake your Groove thing by peaches and herb and also the silver's biggest hit boogie fever that went to number one in 76 they also had high school dance that went to number 17 later in 1977 that we had in a previous episode they were an american r b family vocal group from watts los angeles california they had 10 siblings nine of whom performed in the band at one point or another and uh i I went good on this one
1: me too i told you the story i think maybe we had this last time about the done at the factory on the island (laughs) yeah the smart line all right (laughs) it's not so smart we'll use ai to fix it (laughs) i I tell you I've been on I was on a meeting today and
0: don't tell me
1: and the chairman of the commission was just talking about how AI is going to fix everything yeah I don't know how he's you know ugh, it's ridiculous
4: yeah
0: well that's why I retired I figured AI could do my job oh yeah and there there's, there's
1: a thing at work about you know do you have any ideas how AI can be used you know Maybe you could use AI to count nuts and bolts. Okay. Instead of having a guy, you know, with his fingers doing it. Yeah. So. Maybe
0: AI could take over my Friday bagel email thing. <laughs> yeah. Glom all the content together. <laughs> yeah. All
1: right.
0: I don't remember Tyrone Davis. Yeah, this is a give it up. Parentheses, Turn It Loose by Tyrone Davis. And uh, this one peaked right here at number 38, but got to number two on the R&B chart. I didn't remember it either. I couldn't find much on this song, but it is possibly uh, the title is a nod to a James Brown song called Give It Up or Turn It Loose, which was number one R&B hit in, and that uh, top 20 hit in 1970. It's a different song. And then there was En Vogue that had a hit Give It Up or Turn It Loose in 1992, which seems to be a different song with the same theme as this one. So Tyrone Davis, also known as Tyrone D. Fetson or Tyrone D. Branch, was an American blues and soul singer with a long list of records over more than 20 years. He had three number one hits on the Billboard r and chart, Can I Change My Mind, that went to number one in 68, Turn Back the Hands of Time, in 1970 and turning point in 1975 and uh he passed away in 2005 at the age of 67. Um, i went neutral on this one 33 year old
1: so is he related to uh
0: tyrone shoelaces yes <laughs> <Jesse's> he's his uncle <laughs> <laughs> it is, Hello Old Friend by Eric Clapton off his album No Reason to Cry. This is the highest debuting song on the chart this week, it'll get to number 24. The album No Reason to Cry is one of uh, Clapton's most internationally successful albums from the 1970s. In Norway and the United States, the album charted at number 13 and number 15 respectively. There are a whole bunch of big names credited on this album, including Robbie Robertson, and also Bob Dylan attended recording sessions and lived in a tent at the end of a Clapton's backyard in Hurtwood. and you Maybe hearing Yvonne Elliman in the background mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I went neutral on this uh, this is a Clapton country song yeah uh, Eric's still with us he is 78 years old
1: I went good I like this song Intro is a little overblown, yeah. So I'm going neutral,
0: yeah. I went, I went good. I like the guitar in this, but uh, it, yeah, it's yeah. gonna take them a while to get here. So, yeah, it's, I, uh, yeah,
1: I the, the beginning turned me
4: off,
0: yeah. So, this is it's a long way there. By the little river band. Where? There. Okay.
5: Werewolf. Werewolf? There.
2: What? There, wolf. There, castle. Why are you talking that way? I thought you wanted to. No, I don't want to. Suit yourself. I'm easy
0: off their album little river band and uh, this one peaked at number 28 and it became the band's first top 40 hit in the u.s the song was the third single off their self-titled album written by grand global in 1972 the song was inspired by his regular trips from melbourne australia to visit his family in adelaide the song was initially performed by Goble's earlier band Mississippi, which included three subsequent members of the Little River Band—Goble, Bill Burt, B. Berthels, and Derek Pelici—Rick Formosa played lead guitar, Glenn Chirac sang vocals, with Goble and Burtles providing harmonies.
1: Is Nick Formosa from Taiwan?
0: I don't know.
4: Be the day when you say goodbye, that'll
0: be the day. When didn't have to wait long for that hook,
4: nice.
1: <laughs> I'm going neutral.
0: Yeah, I actually went. Good on this. Um, So this is, yeah, That'll Be the Day by Linda Ronstadt off her album, Hasten Down the Wind. This was in our episode 24 from October 9th, 76. Uh, It's a cover of Buddy Holly's number one hit from 1957. This version went to number 11. Uh, This was the first song John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison recorded together. Buddy Holly wrote this song after seeing The Searchers, a Western movie starring John Wayne. In the movie, Wayne keeps replying, that'll be the day every time another character in the film predicts or proclaims something will happen when he felt it was not likely to happen. And uh, Linda Ronstadt was 30 years old. Was he
1: he talking about AI? (laughs) Taking over the world?
0: Yeah, yeah, that'll be the day. (laughs) I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Uh, yeah, Linda Ronstadt was 30 years old at this time when uh, this came out. She's 77 now. For those watching on Channel 18, Pete and I are grooving to this.
1: We're chair dancing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Shake 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 Your Booty by Casey and the Sunshine Band off their album part 3 this is the third time this mega hit has shown up for us it was in both our episodes 14 and 24 it had gotten to number 1 and was number 26 on the year end chart and Casey said this is the first of 6 former number 1's in this countdown so I didn't want this to be confused with Frank Zappa's 1977 double album, <laughs> which contained what what song, Pete?
1: <laughs> Bobby Brown goes down. Yo, also. Mama. Uh, uh, Jewish princess. But uh, more city of important- tiny
0: lights. But more importantly, wasn't it? I have been in you. <laughs> oh, I been in You? That's right.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, but what was the actual title of the album? Because it was a planned she, word.
1: Sheik, your be- booty. Yeah, all right? and so yeah. Frank Zappa was dressed up as a as a uh, Arab sheik. Sheik, your booty. Yeah. So yeah. I went good. This is a great song. If we had the excellent, you know, uh, category, I. I, I this is this is great. And when I saw Casey last year, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Awesome. No, no argument from this side either. Great song.
1: Before we get to the next thing, I, I wanna I was listening to uh the AM radio last week and uh I'll give you a little clip of what I heard. And my wife heard also. So stand by. So this is from uh, this is the new host for the Bob Steele Show, who we heard a little bit earlier today, uh, talking with the uh, the producer and the uh, traffic guy.
2: Tell me the top five vinyl albums that you still have—not uh, of all time, but the top five that you still are in possession of.
0: Well, all, all the Steely Dan stuff. I'm a huge Steely Dan guy. I got some Doobie Brothers, Stevie Wonder in there, um, some Boss Gags, Boss stuff gags. like that. Yes. Boz. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I have. Seven, a lot of 70s stuff in there. Which so, I actually think is a terrible era for music. Uh, I say, oh. say early 70s. There was some, I don't know, there was some icky stuff in there. But yeah, you feel know, like the Gilbert O'Sullivan stuff and that whiny AC stuff, dull contemporary stuff. But I don't know, 70s was my uh, sweet spot for music.
1: All right. So the guy talking about his uh, record collection, he's, the, he's a DJ, you know, and does weddings and stuff. Mark the Shark. Yeah. And Brian Shackman is the is the new host. So uh, and, I thought and, that was interesting.
0: And Brian, is he's younger, I think, than... He's 52
1: years old. He keeps saying that he's 52.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And so, I have no idea what the age of Mark the Shark is. He's probably about our age.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Mark the Shark.
1: Yeah. So that being said,
0: Boz!
4: Babies in the run around, hanging with the crowd, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. putting your business in the street, topping mm-hmm. mm-hmm. out loud. Saying bottom, this and that. How much you don't spend mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I swear she must believe it's
2: all hell and You better bring the chip around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: to the sand set tree,
2: the dirty law down. Mm-hmm.
0: There it is. So what album is this off of beat? <laughs>
1: I believe this is off of Silk Degrees. Yes. One of my favorite LPs. I'm with Mark the Shark. This is one of the best LPs of the era. The guys from Toto are all over this LP. This is peak yacht rock song, and Boz is is great. Yeah. And I'm going good. Once again, we had the excellent one. We'd do it, but that would throw off all your ratings.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I went good too. This was in our episode 24 from October 9th, 76, and it went to number three. Skaggs wrote this song with keyboard player David Petch. And uh, it would later form the band Toto and write many of their hits. And uh, as you mentioned, Low uh, Lowdown was the first song that Skaggs and uh, Page wrote together. This was the second single released from Silk Degrees. The first was It's Over, which charted at a modest number 38 two other future Toto members also played on this track and as, as you mentioned all over this and uh, I like the line uh, you have to have a Jones for this and a Jones for that
1: <laughs> so you know you bring that up so there's a thing about generations alright and uh, I gotta move this thing out of the way here where the heck is it ah did I just lose it So there's something called Generation Jones. Have you ever (laughs) heard of Generation
0: Jones? No, but I want to be in it.
1: So Generation Jones is a social cohort, and I don't know what that is.
5: A cohort is a group of subjects who share a defining characteristic, typically subjects who experienced a common event in a selected time period, such as birth or graduation.
1: The (laughs) latter half of the baby boomer generation to the first year of Generation X. That's us. The term Generation Jones was first coined by the American cultural commentator, Jonathan Pontell, who identified the cohort as those born from 1954 to 1965 in the US, whose children, uh, who were children during Watergate, the oil crisis and stagflation, rather than during the fifties, but slightly before Gen X. And so, Generation Jones is uh, has several connotations, including large anonymous generation of keeping up with the Joneses, competitive in the slang word Jones or Jonesy, meaning yearning or craving, and it goes on from there. So that's on the Wikipedia Generation Jones.
0: I'm I'm going by that from now on. Yeah, so instead of Jones. okay, okay, Boomer, be okay, Jones.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I saw that, and I said, geez, I, I got to tell Mark about it. And you brought it up there. And, and, of course, Boss Gags in this last verse talked about Jones for this,
3: Jones for that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Me
4: and Mrs., Mrs. Jones.
0: didn't
1: george benson do this song
0: <laughs> i was just gonna ask you that so yeah when i first heard this i'm like yeah i it's in my mind it did the exact same thing but wasn't it like a little bit more up tempo yeah, yeah like a lot better i'm going yeah. bad yeah i i went neutral so yeah this is love ballad by uh, ltd off the album love to the world And this was uh, was the first single off that album, which was their third. And it was their first hit, reaching number one on the R&B chart and number 20 on the pop chart. And it's uh, number one on the soul chart this week. And the lead singer is Jeffrey Osborne, crooning about uh, the indomitable love that some people will never understand. The song is We would hear from
1: him later on, wouldn't we, with stuff?
0: Yes, we like would. In the '80s, yeah, yeah. yep. We had Beautiful George. Voice. It, it is really good. Yeah, um, George. We had George Benson's version on our episode 49 from April April 21st, 1979. Yeah, Jeffrey Osborne would have eight top 40 hits in the 80s as a solo artist, including On the Wings of Love in 1982, Love Power with Dionne Warwick in 1987. And he's still with us. He's 75. Yeah, great voice. George Benson's version is much better. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate out there about the Horrible Rolling Stones top 250 guitarists of all time that just came out and George Benson was not on the list. Mm. Crime scene. absolute As our friend Brian from work would say, it's a crime scene. It's
1: a crime scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: George Benson version's a lot better. That's why I went bad. So yeah.
3: never been
1: this blue. Ugh. <laughs> I'm going bad. Was it? Was it this guy in the Guess Who or Bachman Turner Overdrive? Or... He
0: was in the Guess Who, yeah. So, um, or the is... Three Dog Night. Yeah. So this is uh, Stan Tall. Here it goes. Right. right?
1: Is that when he does it? No, it comes later.
0: Takes a little while. Yeah. This is uh, Burton Cummings. This was in our episode 31 from January of 77. It got to number 10. It was Cummings' first solo hit after he left the Guess Who, and it was also his biggest hit. But uh, Yeah, while the song was climbing the charts, Casey Kasem reported on American Top 40 that Shortly following Cummings' departure from the Guess Who to pursue a solo career, his girlfriend of nine years left him for another man, and Stan Tall was born from his taking his frustrations, challenges, and despondency to the piano and forging the melody, Stan Tall. And I kept charting for 15 weeks in his native Canada, don't you know? Bert Cummings was nominated for the Juno Award in, as 1977's Composer of the Year for Stand Tall. And he's still with us. He's 76. Excuse me. He will be 76 on the last day of the year, December 31st.
4: Huh.
1: Happy birthday. What are you rating that? I gave it a neutral.
4: Billboards number 30.
1: I don't remember the song. I'm going good. I love the groove.
0: Yeah, I, I sort of remember it. I, I went neutral. It does have a good You're nasty.
1: You're so groove. nasty to the soul soul, soul orchestra.
0: Yeah, I, I think I like the groove better than the, uh, the lyrics, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, this is nice and nasty by the salsa.
1: Nice S- and nasty. Two yes.
0: A's. Yeah, salsa orchestra. They were a group of musicians that were a backing band uh, for many acts on the. New York City label, Soul Soul Records, and under its own name, recorded several hit singles between 75 and 82. We had these guys in our episode 45 with their big hit cover of Tangerine that went to number 18 in 76. This one got to number 30 but was a big hit on the dance chart going to number 3. And the band initially consisted of many of the original members of Philadelphia International's MFF SB, which is probably why we like the groove so much in this. And they had moved to Selsol as a result of a disagreement with producers Gamble and Huff over finances. That was nasty. <laughs> it was a nasty dis- disagreement.
1: <laughs> You've heard this young lady on Hello, Old Friend as a background singer. big star from Jesus Christ Superstar the two-parter on uh, Hawaii Five-O great voice Saturday Night Fever yeah with all that platitudes I'm going neutral
0: yeah I went neutral on this you know so this is uh, Yvonne Elliman Love Me Is and um yeah, I I thought you know it's too bad she didn't have more hit singles because her voice was great, you know. I don't remember
1: this a bit.
0: Uh, I don't either, but uh Casey said, here's the biggest mover in our countdown this week, up nine notches by 24-year-old Hawaiian-born, don't you know, Yvonne Eleman. <laughs> so she was 18 when she did Jesus the jesus christ superstar album uh, Mm um quite young and uh this this song was written and originally recorded by the bgs who included it on their 1976 album children of the world it was element's second biggest hit in the u.s getting the number 14 and number six in the uk her only more popular song was if I Can't Have You, which she recorded the next year and was also written by the BGS, And Yvonne is still with us. She will be 72 on December 29th. So just Happy before birthday. Burton Cummings' <laughs> birthday. So, yeah, right. I was-
1: yep. You went neutral. Neutral, yeah. yeah. And we're going to hear a little bit of Casey right now.
2: Well, now I have the song by the Englishman who believes his luckiest break was when a member of his audience broke a chair over his head. The artist Leo Sayer. And back in 65 he was touring the US Army bases in England singing and dancing and playing his harmonica. Now at the time blues and soul music were his specialty and he thought he was pretty good. In fact when soul singer Arthur Connolly had to cancel out of a performance at a base in Norfolk County Leo was asked to fill in for him. But the American soldiers who made up the audience that night weren't ready for the switch and when this funny looking five foot two inch tall English teenager came on stage and tried to scream the blues at them they wouldn't buy it and one guy in the front row was really rude about it he picked up his chair and smashed it over the young singer's head well of course it hurt and he still has a bump but Leo told us he wasn't seriously injured and the incident he says really helped his career it made him realize that soul music was not his thing. Since then, his singing style has been the Sayer style. And for Leo, it works great. His latest hit moves up to number 28 this week. It's You Make Me Feel Like Dancing.
1: Well, I'm going good on this.
2: Um,
0: yeah, I, I went neutral. Um, mm. I, I was Ooh. just. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but um, I was just thinking. Listening to Casey there, it's like Casey describes this kind of violent act and it doesn't sound so bad.
1: (laughs) Well, there was a, there was a, about 20 plus years ago, there was a project engineer that worked at our company who picked up a chair and threw it across the room. And I wasn't there for that. And it's quite a story. (laughs) So, and he went, he went on to become, you know, he went to the Darden school and all that kind of stuff. So he was being groomed for something. I don't think he's still with the company, but hopefully uh, he's doing well. Yeah.
0: So yeah, this was in our episode 39 from January of 77. This was Leo Sears' first number one hit on the Billboard charts, followed rapidly by his other number one, When I Need You. Say I wrote this song with Vinnie Pontia, who co-wrote the kiss songs. I was made for loving you. And great song. Something, and you make me feel like dancing. Gainsayer, a nineteen seventy eight Grammy for best R and B song. This made. This is R and B. Well, yeah. It's, uh, at least it was labeled that way. Uh, this made uh. two consecutive years that a white artist won the award. Boz Skaggs was the previous winner for Lowdown. Um, so that's more of an RB, I would say. Um, so
1: so when, when, when Casey was talking about the funny looking five foot two guy, yeah. you know, with a Richard Simmons hairdo, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that album cover where he's in, it's th- this album cover, Endless Flight, he's in the air. <laughs>
1: yeah. He kind of looks like that German toy, you know, with the, the guy with the big long fingernails. What do you, who, you know, oh. that
0: car- what's yeah, that called i know what you're talking about but i don't remember what it's called <laughs> yeah punch it in
5: Der Strovel, Peter.
0: but anyway uh, leo had eight top 40 hits between the 70s and 80s and he is still with us he's 75 years old You Is You Are My Starship by Norman Connors featuring Michael Henderson? This was in our episode 24 from October 9th, speaking right here at number 27. It featured bass player, vocalist Michael Henderson, and Philadelphia vocalist Phyllis Hyman Norman Connors is an American jazz drummer, composer arranger and producer who has led a number of influential jazz and R&B groups and he's still with us, he's 76 uh, I went neutral on this one Alright,
1: I went
4: you do know that you I don't can,
0: remember this song but
4: you don't know what to I don't
0: either I don't
1: and i think when i saw the all-star band with two r's i doubt they played this 30 years ago whatever that was
0: yeah and doesn't the groove sound like you know oh will not you stay a little longer you know <laughs> uh,
1: this is bad i'm sorry ringo
5: yeah
0: i i went neutral this is a, a dose of rock and roll by ringo Starr off of ringo's roto <laughs> how do you pronounce that <laughs> I don't
5: know.
1: but i can hear the george harrison horn section yeah was it produced by george
0: don't have who produced it but uh Casey said now here's a man who since he left the Beatles has done all right for himself 10 chart records 7 in the top 10 and 2 number 1's photograph and you're 16 and he's one of 11 foreign acts in the countdown this week <laughs> so yeah right. I don't remember it at all
1: I don't either alright up to number 25
4: good
0: yeah I went good on this as well this is you don't have to be a star parentheses to be in my show parentheses by Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr she's got a beautiful voice yeah yeah this is off their album I hope we get to love in time and Casey said this is a big mover up six notches the fourth week on the chart for Mr. and Mrs. Billy Davis Jr (laughs) it's uh (laughs) This was in our episode 39 from January 77. It went to number one on both the pop and R&B charts, written by James Dean and John Glover. This song helped uh, uh, them win the Grammy Award for Best R&B Performance by a Duo Group with Vogels in 1977. By this time, McCoo and Davis left the Fifth Dimension and began performing as a duo. Ending a t- contract with ABC Records, they recorded their 1976 debut album. I hope we get to love in time. Um, and they're both still with us. Marilyn turned 80 on September 30th, and Billy 85 in June. Great song. Yeah.
1: All right. Here's some Mom Jean Rock or whatever he called it. Yeah.
4: It makes me shiver
1: to the bone. It <laughs> remember when Mitt Romney was wearing mom jeans. And, you know, when he was running for president. Yeah. What year was that? Twenty twelve, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why he lost <laughs> Oh I was I, I think it was part of it. <laughs> yeah. You know it's like Michael Dukakis,
1: you know, in the tank
0: oh that was great (laughs)
4: Uh,
0: anyway uh, yeah this is I Never Cry by Alice Cooper off his album Goes to Hell (laughs) this certainly doesn't sound like he's going to hell (laughs) this was uh, also in our episode 39 from January 77 it got to number 12 more Housewife Rock and, uh, was, oh, I
1: thought it was Mom
4: jeans.
0: Yeah, he was encouraged by the crossover success of Only Women Bleed, and Cooper returned to the rock ballad format with this single, I'll Never Cry. Uh, the song is really about Cooper's long bout with alcoholism. He called the song An Alcoholic Confession. He co-wrote this track with guitarist-songwriter Dick Wagner.
4: The two Ooh. were hot.
0: Highly productive songwriting team. They co wrote more than 50 songs together. And uh, yeah. Alice Cooper is 75. Uh, I, I went bad, though. G- give me schools out, Alice. Yeah, Cooper. I, I, I'm
1: going sap. You went bad. But Dick Wagner, um, you went bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, him and Larry Hunter. No, that's a guy we work with. Uh,
2: <laughs> uh,
1: I forget, but Wagner and Hunter, they did. Uh, uh, they were the dueling guitar players for Lou Reed on the Rock and Roll Animal uh, LP, and oh my gosh, you got to listen to Rock and Roll Animal. Lou Reed is really good, all right. And I don't care what some of our friends think, but <laughs> I will—I'll uh, leave it at that.
0: righty. I'll have to listen to
1: that. Yeah. Rock and roll animal. They do uh, uh, Sweet Jane, and there's this intro, which is beautiful.
0: Yeah. I've heard that long intro, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's Dick Wagner and Larry Hunter or whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this... Is this uh, the guy singing here is
0: this fake Carl Douglas. That sounds a bit like Carl Douglas, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm going good.
0: I went good, too.
1: This was always done by the Savage Brothers. Ever yeah. seen the Savage Brothers?
0: I, I have, yeah curly shuffle i remember them doing too yeah so yeah so this is play that funky music by wild cherry this is the third time we've seen this one big song it was in our episodes 14 and 24 and wild cherry we told the story they were a hard rocking band and they had a regular gig at the 2001 club and with disco being huge at the time their sound didn't go over well after one show a African-American audience member shouted, play some funky music, white boy. And frontman Robert Parisi decided they should and wrote down the phrase on the bar order pad. He wrote this one, and he also uh, said he copied Fire by the Ohio Players. You listen to this, especially to the bass line and the vocal stylings, you'll get that. And uh, this was their only hit. So you can thank that guy in the audience. Yeah, yeah, and I went good as well. All right.
4: Choo-choo. I do you
1: go. You know, these folks are from Scotland,
3: don't you know?
0: Yeah. Kale saw these guys getting into a cab, I believe, out of, from front of Rockefeller Center. I <laughs> don't know what year that was off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, this is the Bay City Rollers, and this is I Only Want to Be With You. This was also in our uh episode 24th from October 9th it was originally a hit for Dusty Springfield in 1964 when it was number 12 and number four in the UK launching her career and uh I I have to say I like the uh Dusty Springfield version better though Uh, I went neutral on this
1: yeah me too I, I could imagine weird Al inventing something for this yeah i'm not a big weird al guy i bought his first record and i thought it was funny you know dr domeno and stuff you know that's 40 years ago i know we have friends that know a lot about a lot more about weird al
0: actually frank uh, zappa could do a i only want to be in you
1: (laughs) (laughs) is this elo
0: Sounds it's like it. him, doesn't it? Yeah. bunch of bearded guys. Or LVB. <laughs> Ludwig van L. Beethoven.
1: This isn't Bach.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this isn't the fifth of Bach.
4: Ah, Bach. You
1: yeah, had to get in there somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, This is A Fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band off their album, A Fifth of Beethoven. And this was another song that was in both our episodes 14 and 24. Casey said it's the oldest song in the countdown this week. It's been around for 20 weeks. I thought it was
1: because it was 250 years old.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's probably true as well. This disco instrumental was an adaptation of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Walter Murphy was uh, an orchestral leader who studied both classical and jazz music piano at the Manhattan School of Music. At one time, he was the arranger for Doc Severinsen and the Tonight Show Orchestra. And Murphy played nearly every instrument on the song, but was forced to credit Imaginary Ensemble. Um, And it landed at number one in the U.S on October 9th, 1976. I went neutral on it, uh, as yeah. I did the previous episodes.
1: Yeah, I went neutral also. So, you wrote this between 1804 and 1808, so when this came out, it would be, you know, 175 years old. But, uh, did you just, like, drop your cereal bowl?
0: Uh, no, I clinked a glass together. Actually, a beer bottle and a glass.
1: <laughs> Do you eat cereal?
0: I haven't had a bowl of cereal in probably fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking about it last night, <laughs>
1: driving home from my meeting. I got a ride from somebody. It's just, I says, I, "I, just don't. We don't have milk in the house, you know." So. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't. Oh, I'm because we're black.
1: Talk, We're we're talking about. How he used to get stuff in the cereal boxes, and I reminded him about uh, you know the L- the rec- the LPs, the records on the back. Because he was talking about the Jetsons and how yeah. they were so far ahead, where they where Elroy cut out the TV and it was a TV on the on the cereal box. I I
0: saw that episode actually, and that was really AI, yeah. yeah.
1: So because he bought a new TV and it was like didn't cost jack.
3: If you're leaving the house right now, don't forget your letters, the ones you want to mail for sure today. You forgot them yesterday. Got your keys, operator's license, clean hanky, and did uh, you take your vitamins, your vitamin C and your, your iron and all that. You know, I've been taking so much iron supplement lately that every time I stand up, stretch my arms and yawn, I slowly turn and point north. Would you believe that? you probably wouldn't
0: (laughs) i swear i remember that joke actually
2: (laughs) we're counting down the most popular songs in the country from kodiak to kokomo from hartford to honolulu billboards number
5: 20
1: i'm going good this is is really good song
0: yeah, I went good too. I wonder if they were talking about Bob Steele. This is Magic Man by Heart right off their album Dreamboat Annie. And this was in our episode 24 from October 9th. Went to number nine. And, uh, Magic Man is really Mike Fisher, the group's original guitarist. He was Ann Wilson's boyfriend, and she followed him to Canada during the Vietnam War. Oh, so
1: he was was a draft dodger. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he wouldn't get drafted. So in in 1974, uh, Nancy Wilson, Ann's sister, joined the band, and Fisher became their manager and sound engineer the line come on home girl relates to Ann Wilson's mother and I I mentioned this before I saw an interview with uh, her mother once and she was quoted as saying I didn't say it like that but I was just worried about my daughter (laughs) (laughs) this was Hart's debut album and both the Wilson sisters are still with us Ann is 73 and little sister Nancy is 69 And uh, yeah I went good on this as well yep
1: you know how can i do a cheesy good because i'm going good on this but it's so damn cheesy
0: yeah i i almost went good but i went neutral i think because of the cheese but it's entertaining you know
1: yeah so you just watched something on tv recently
4: right
0: i did so um the, the um, of American Experience which is a pretty good show I always like it they had uh, an episode called The War on Disco and it was basically about the rise and fall of disco and they kind of culminated it with the story of Disco Demolition Night and um, my sister had sent me a New York Times article about the show and I read that before I watched the show and I was a little the New York Times article, I think, kind of misrepresented the show because I was a little the worried.
1: failing New York Times.
0: I, I was a little worried <laughs> that they were really going to go overboard on on this. You know, they kind of called it a culture war, etc But I think they did a pretty good job about showing both sides of the the issue. And really, you know, it, in the end, I think they were talking about how. By Disco Demolition Night, Disco was on its way down, and they brought up the fact that um, you know it it had kind of become commercialized, and also with the Studio Fifty Four, it was elitist to a lot of people. So I would recommend watching the show. I I thought it was uh, pretty entertaining. They they interviewed the Indian from the Village People. He was. Uh, Philippe Ortiz Rose, he claimed some uh, real Native American heritage, Lakota, Cherokee. And he, before he was in the Village People, he was hired as a dancer at Studio 54. And he dressed up as the the Indian and he had bells on his ankles.
4: Yeah.
1: You know, I think that the whole thing with disco is, it, it just was, you know, putting ten temp- pounds of stuff in a uh, five pound bag. You know? Because if you look at what was you know, in the charts in 79 it was, there was still rock and roll, okay? And there was still soul and there was still R&B and there was still sap and uh, you know, you had your Living Newton Johns and your like time patches is you know Al Stewart that that wasn't that but but the result you know I think we got BG to death you know yeah. and, and and stuff so um, yeah you had a quote you said something in fact well, you know your quote. What's
4: your
0: yeah, quote? Yeah, I, I said, you know, they, they wanted to bring up, too, that there was a racial thing going on with the anti-disco stuff and, a, and a, you know, homophobic or whatever. And I just said, you know what? There was no R&B demolition night or funk demolition night. Um, and, and yeah. you know... We're sold we, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like. and, and we we love that stuff. And, I mean, you look yep. at, you know, Queen, like I was talking about. You know, they, they were popular. They were a rock band. But mm-hmm. you know, there were obvious uh, things there that could say people would have gone nuts about. So, yeah, yeah. But actually, I, I thought the show was, was decent.
4: Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: So you'd recommend... to
1: go out and buy a DVD on that, right? Do they still sell DVDs?
0: <laughs> well, if I bet you, you can cont- buy it from PBS. I was going to say, if you contribute enough to PBS, they might give you the DVD <laughs> uh, and a tote bag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was interesting is, is before that bit I played from the radio about Boz Gags on the records, they, they're talking about um, the whole reason it came up was Best Buy is, is going to stop selling DVDs and mm-hmm. and the news guy and the producer and the uh, new Bob Steele saying, "What are you going to do with these things?" Because you know, no one. I, I have a DVD player. I, I don't have many DVDs. I got a ton of CDs and LPs. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, who was I going with this? <laughs> oh yeah. So you know, PBS is still hawking these things. Is everyone buying them? You know. Yeah. Do you have any DVDs, or did you get rid of them when you moved?
0: Um, I I have a, a small number. Can't tell you the last time I watched watched one, but yeah, yeah, a small number. It's kind of interesting though. It's like we you, you won't own anything anymore in terms of that kind of mm. consumable media. Um, yeah. Not not well, physically anyway. I guess you could own the rights to play it anytime you want. But.
1: I, I, I'm worried about because, like Microsoft that you talked about earlier in the episode, I'm going um, I'm going neutral on this. This is Nights for Further Out by England Dan and John Ford Coley. Yeah. Um, Microsoft wants to rent you software. You know they don't right. want you to buy it anymore. All right, I'm still using Microsoft software I bought 20 years ago.
3: Yeah. You know?
4: Yeah,
1: and and I'm what I'm worried about is like the new Windows operating systems will will, like reject the stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's uh, the way they make money. Anyway, yeah. Um. So this uh this song went to uh, number ten. One of the more intense songs by this soft rock uh, duo. And um, England Dan is actually Danny Whalen Seals, brother of Jim Seals of Seals and Cross. And uh, he passed away in 2009, only at the age of 61. And John Edward Cooley is still with us. He turned 75 on October 13th, so happy birthday to him. uh, I went neutral on this as well.
1: Yeah. All right, well, we're going to get a little Casey right now the intro to number 17
2: number 18 with nights are forever without you well it's time now on AT40 for the big hit song that owes its existence to a big double heartache it all started back in the winter of 73 when the two guys who sing the song were going through a lot of personal problems each of them was suffering through the pain of a busted romance now John Oates had broken off his relationship with a girl he'd been dating for a long long time his partner, Daryl Hall, had just ended his marriage. Needless to say, they were both pretty miserable. And to make matters worse, it was New Year's Eve. So, instead of sitting home alone listening to the sounds of silence, the duo decided to pool their blues and write a song that would express their feelings. They tell us it took just a couple of hours to complete that song. And what started out as a sharing of mutual problems has turned into one of the happiest collaborations of their career this week their former top 10 song is at number 17 in the countdown daryl hall and john oates and she's gone
1: i'm going good
0: yeah yeah this is good so this is off their album abandoned luncheonette and this was also in our episode 24 from october 9th um this one went to number seven Many of Hall and Oates' songs were written primarily by one member of the duo, but the song was an equal collaboration. In an interview with Daryl Hall, he explained that Oates came up with the chorus, which he wrote on acoustic guitar, and Hall thought it sounded like the Cat Stevens song, wild world so he went to his world keyboard and reworked the groove um and both these guys are still with us John Oates is 75 and Daryl Hall turned 77 on October 11th so happy birthday to them
1: so it was New Year's Eve who who was born on New Year's Eve we had it early in the episode
0: uh, Burton Cummings. Burton Cummings, huh? yeah.
1: So, what birthday was that for Burton Cummings
3: when they wrote this? I know, I know, a thousand questions.
2: But first,
3: the tranya. Don't oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> Number
0: sixteen. All right, I'm going good. Um, yeah, I, I, I went neutral on this, um, although I, I kind of like it.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. You You're know, so wishy-washy. I, I am wishy-washy, and I, I was almost going to reach out to the rules committee and say, is it okay for us to keep switching our ratings between Absolutely. episodes when, when we're yes. All right yeah. then, I'm gonna I'm gonna go good on this then. Okay. And, uh, well, there it is. You are the woman by Firefall off their album Firefall, and this was also in episode 24. It peaked at number nine. And Casey said, "Here's a powerhouse group out of Denver, comprised of former members of the Flying Burrito Brothers, Spirit, Graham Parsons, and the Birds." and uh this soft rock favorite was firefall's breakout hit and their most enduring song most of Firefall's songs were written separately by their singer guitarist rick roberts and larry burnett band member rick roberts was a former member of the flying burrito brothers and uh Guitarist Doc Bartley had been Tommy Bowen's replacement in Zephyr. And uh, other hits included Just Remember I Love You, that went to number 11 in 77. Strange Way, that went to number 11 in 78. I like that one. And uh, Cinderella, that went to number 34 in 77. And Headed for the Fall, number 35 in 1980. And Staying With It, 37 in 81.
1: oh this is so hard (laughs) i gotta go good but you know you listen to classic rock and but this is so good
0: yeah i i mean i'll I'll agree with you not like you don't hear this all the time but but this is good here it comes.
1: What is more than a feeling? What happens when you when you like you're driving at a nail and you hit your thumb? Is that more than a feeling?
0: <laughs> yeah, know there's a pain sensation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what's more than
1: a feeling? Yeah, good,
0: good point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is. Yeah, so it's we know funny. Who this is. This is yeah. Boston. Boston, uh, more than a feeling. And I thought it was funny. Casey said, here's the first hit for a five-band group from Boston. They call themselves Boston. <laughs> <laughs> this is the fifth, fifth week on the chart for this one at this point. It will get to number five. And, um, yeah, more than a feeling um, – yeah, you know, uh, Tom Schultz played all the other instruments on the track other than the, the vocals, but, you know, the, the record label had him credit some other members, because uh, as we had in that previous song as well, the fifth of Beethoven. Yeah.
1: You hold a nail. <laughs> you must have hit your thumb or finger with a hammer, haven't you?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Most painful. And you're like, <laughs> oh, go ahead. No. Wow,
1: well, it's something you don't want to do, but it happens.
0: Yeah. Most painful thing I ever did was I crushed uh, my finger in the slats of the garage door as I closed it. Ended up losing the nail, and I did it in freezing cold weather, so it didn't start to hurt till I went inside and started to warm
1: up. Oh, you mean the slats, like yeah. where the dividers are, on the yeah. on, where the hinges are. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought you had Venetian blind door or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> How did? Didn't did you have a handle on there? Uh, or a, or how about a garage door opener?
0: Uh, no, it was manual. And uh, I had one hand on the handle and the other hand riding along in the slats. But my hands were numb because I had a long story. I'd locked the keys in my car and I couldn't open the door. And,
4: huh. uh,
0: et cetera. Awful. Anyway, this is Fernando by Abba. You
1: look marvelous. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, This was also in our episode 24 from October 9th. This was their sixth consecutive top 40 hit. It went to number 13. And uh, album member Anna Fried, Frida Lingstadt originally recorded the song in Swedish on her solo album Frida Ansam, meaning Frida alone. Who
1: else is from Sweden besides these folks? Lots of people, right? (laughs) Well, who's the...
0: Who did we see
1: two months ago?
0: Oh, Mr. Ingve Malstein.
1: (laughs) No, no, Mr. Ingve J. Malstein. Oh,
4: sorry.
1: I tell you, I saw that interview that you posted on the, you know, and he actually seemed like a very nice guy compared to how we... He you know, yeah. He did he came but, across well.
0: He did, but then there was that Graham Bonnet interview of him trying to kill him man <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I
1: I tell you, you know what? I would see him again if he came around. Just just to get another another try.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I would too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I went neutral on this one. You went neutral. Okay, I went good.
1: So now that you're retired, do you watch soap operas?
0: (laughs) No, maybe I should though. (laughs) I only read. There not many left. There's not many left. I read my soap opera comics. (laughs) But you remember that
1: Jetsons where they cut out, where Elroy cut out the. Was his name Elroy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Where you cut out the back of the cereal box and it was a TV?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I watch the Jetsons around every Sunday on, um, is it MeTV? I think it's on MeTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is.
1: You should go to church instead. Yeah. You can buy a DVD for that, I think. You
0: could probably buy a DVD of Mass, too. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't go to mass or uh, <laughs> church services. <laughs> so, this is Nadia's theme, parentheses, the young and the restless, uh, which is the, the reference to the soap opera by uh, Barry Dvorzin and Harry Botkin Jr. It also in our episode 24, peaked at number eight, it was first introduced in 1971 in a film called. Bless the Beasts and Children, which was, we mentioned in a previous episode, a favorite book of Gales when she was a kid. And for the past three years, it had been the theme of the soap opera, The Young and the Restless. But Is Susan Lucci in The Young and the Restless? Uh, no, she was in All My Children, I believe.
1: All right. Because she has a commercial now for the American Heart Association. Yeah. And she had a 90% blockage yeah. that she talked about on a commercial. And she's got to be 100 years old, but she looks our age, if not younger.
5: Susan Lucci will turn 77 on December 23rd.
0: So we talked about before the uh, 14-year-old Romanian gymnast Nadia Comaneci launched this song into the pop charts. She was the first athlete to score Perfect 10 when ABC's Olympic coverage showed clips of her performance and played this song. So the people who own the rights to it released it as a single within 24 hours. It was originally titled Cotton's Dream. My mother used to watch The Young and the Restless and uh, SCTV did a parody, The Young and the Wrestling. And uh, I remember as kids at this time, I talked about this. We'd imitate Nadia Comaneci by awkwardly falling down and then giving ourselves a score of perfect 10. And I went neutral on this.
1: (laughs) I'm going to go neutral also. I love this song I do too And I think they played it when I saw them open up for Deep Purple down in Florida A year and a half ago
0: Almost two years ago I would hope they'd play it People yelling Don't fear the reaper (laughs) Play Don't fear the reaper
1: (laughs) They 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 were yelling Dixie Dregs
0: Uh, yeah, don't fear the reaper of uh, Blue Oyster Cult's album "Agents of Fortune." This was also in our episode twenty-four. It went to number twelve, and it was written and sung by Blue Oyster Cult's lead guitarist Donald Roser, also known as Buck Dharma. Buck Dharma. Yeah.
1: What's your true. What's your like pseudo nickname? Do you you know? Do you have like a uh, an okay. alias?
0: What, like the Garth Rocket or, or that kind of that's stuff? That's right. Yeah. I um, No, I never thought about it. I'll have to come up with one. <laughs> Jones Johnson.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's because you're from the
1: Joneson generation. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. You know, now, Ages of Fortunes, that's the LP cover where, where the uh, the Mischeschmitt ME 262s on the cover. I think. I think, or is it the one with with the guy you know dealing cards with five I, hands? I thought it was that hands. one,
0: the, the card dealer. Yeah, but uh, These anyway, guys are great. yeah, they are great. And the Reaper hasn't come for Buck Dharma yet. He turned seventy six November twelfth, so a uh, happy birthday to Buck! Happy
1: Darmer. birthday, Buck! All right, I'm going SAP. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I went, I went bad. Um, I could have gone sap, but I think we talked about the last time. So this is Beth by Kiss off their album Destroyer. Also in our episode 24, uh, it went to number seven, and this was their heart highest charting single. But I... I elevated it from a sap because of the story of how this song came about. I'll, oh, I'll sure. re-relate it, but the, it's, it dates back to a band called Chelsea, which uh, Future Kiss drummer Peter Chris was in. With is Kiss- that his real name? I don't know you because I
1: don't think I don't think Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons. Those I think those are fake names. Ah, uh, okay. And I, think, and I don't think Ace Frehley's is, is his real name also.
5: Peter Chris was born George Peter John Criscula.
1: How many people you know that are named Ace? <laughs> how, um, how many people? How many people you know that are named Peter?
0: <laughs> One. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, this was, you know, these guys in that band, Chelsea. They were rehearsing, and this guy's wife kept calling because the the wife of the guitarist in the band Mike Brand and her name was really Becky so the original song title was Beck and she was constantly interrupting their band practices asking Mike when he was coming home and the song was a joke directed at him but supposedly it was written almost word for word from Mike Brand's responses to his wife's constant
4: calls (laughs) (laughs) So,
0: I, I love the story. <laughs>
5: oh, it's a
1: great story, yeah. And you know what? We're not members of the Kiss Army, but no. <laughs> I I appreciate them, all right? And I tell you, I love... I was made for loving you, baby. I think that is one of the best disco songs ever. Because, right? you know, didn't didn't Paul Stanley? Not his real name.
5: Stanley Burt Eisen.
1: Say, I could write a disco song. Yeah. So, yeah. That's another episode that one too. Yeah. Go look it up. I mean you, I mean you, I mean you, I mean you,
2: I mean you. <laughs> 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 somehow I knew that was coming. <laughs> Good evening. Tonight on It's the Mind we examine the phenomenon of deja vu. That strange feeling we sometimes get that we've lived through something before.
0: so this groove i remember i was driving this uh This was back when I was in the old plant and I was still a technician. I was driving this other technician crazy because I just had it stuck in my head and I just kept every once in a while going... (laughs) And then he related that he was also at that concert where Peter Frampton fell off the stage at Cold Park. (laughs) He said he broke his shoulder, but apparently it was broken ribs. Really? Yeah. (laughs) did we just hear a story
1: about how... uh... You know we know frank zappa fell off the stage and broke his leg yeah uh oh uh leo sir uh ashton uh tony ashton fell off the stage too oh yeah at the same theater yeah Yeah. from pace ashton and lord yeah 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 I love this song. I'm going good.
0: I went good too. Yeah, of course. This is Do You Feel Like We Do by Peter Frampton. It was uh, you know, off the Frampton Comes Alive album, but was originally on Frampton's Camel. The live version spent 96 weeks, uh, or the, the album, 96 weeks on the national album chart, 10 at number one. And this is the third consecutive hit off that album. This one got to 10 as i said the original was off his 73 frampton's cat camel album this version was recorded live november 22nd 1975 during a sold out show at memorial hall at s-u-n-y plattsburgh the live version runs 14 minutes 15 seconds other groups had success with the talk box around this time Aerosmith Aerosmith. on Sweet Emotion the year before, and also Mr. Joe Walsh in Rocky Mountain Way. But Frampton became most associated with it thanks to his talk solo on this song. And Frampton came alive in 1976, but he's still alive at 73 years old. (laughs) I
2: mean you, I mean you, I mean you, I mean you.
1: This is another excellent. Yeah. Which I love equals a good.
4: yeah. You and me, we're going out to catch a man's sound. Guaranteed to blow your mind so high you won't come down. Man, you'll never heard a sound
1: like a man. I want to hear AI write this song really yeah and not alan iverson <laughs> no.
0: yeah the rubber band man by the spinners off their album spinning gold also from our episode 24 basically this last top 20 almost all the songs were in that previous episode from uh, october that we had this year but uh, casey said this is one of 11 disco songs in the countdown. I don't know that I would... Uh, I wouldn't this. call this disco. Yeah. But uh, the bass was played by Bob Babbitt, who played on many Motown tracks. He ran the instrument through a device he called a funk box to get the unusual sound. Sounds like a rubber band. Uh, too <laughs> bad we never had a funk box at work. <laughs> I could have <laughs> use that. Get the breakout you know, box and the funk box. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: Great song, yeah. Gotta love the, the spinners.
0: Yeah, and also there's that if you see the live version of this, they do a dance with big rubber bands, which is
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. So you got the spinners. Let's see how the Commodores do.
4: Ooh,
1: Lionel, come on. Yeah. Pick it up, man.
2: Just for
1: an hour. I gotta go Sap Just to be This is not Brick House
0: No it isn't um, I guess I was kind to it I went neutral I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards Sap You're starting to change my joke in My uh, votes here
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have some good jokes too because yeah. I'm running out. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, just to be close to you. A back. little Sprexame right here.
5: Spexstemme.
0: Yeah, a lot of Spexstemme,
5: actually.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, this is Just to be Close to You by the Commodores off their album Hot on the Track. I
4: need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. I need you. <laughs>
0: This so one got to number seven. It would become one of their biggest hits, spending two weeks at the top of the Hot Soul singles chart and becoming their second Billboard Hot 100 Top 10. They had one other top 40 hit off this album, Fancy Dancer, that went to number 39. And Mr. Lionel Brockman Ritchie Jr. is 74 years old.
1: Well, I tell you that story about his folks' anniversary... I love that story. It makes me like Lionel Richie a lot more because I really like him.
2: Yeah, so, talented guy. This is Casey Kasem in Hollywood. And you know, our statistician, Sandy Sturt Benjamin came up with an interesting statistic. She says, so far during the seventies, more than a thousand separate recording acts have hit the Billboard album chart. But she goes on to say, only two of those acts have been able to come up with at least one top ten album every calendar year since nineteen seventy one of the supergroups tied for that honor is the British quintet who've been scoring big on the American charts since the mid-sixties the Rolling Stones and the only other group with enough chart power to pull it off is one of the most successful American groups of the rock and roll era eight men who were one of the first rock groups to feature their own built-in brass section of course I'm talking about Chicago and since the beginning of this decade, they've racked up a total of nine top ten albums, with at least one album making it into the top ten every calendar year. Their latest is titled Chicago Ten, and this week their former number one single from that album is at number seven. Here's Chicago, if you leave me now.
4: If you uh, leave me now.
0: It's not titled Chicago Ten. No,
1: he made a mistake. <laughs> What would you say it's called?
0: Chicago X,
1: <laughs> which is V plus V, <laughs> yes, <laughs> equals X, or V I I plus I I I. It was my understanding that there would be no math.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, same. I I went SAP on this actually. Yeah, me too. I I have a big bias so this is yeah If You Leave Me Now by Chicago I have a big bias against the Peter Cetera heavy Chicago I I think because I really like the the albums before x (laughs) (laughs) but yeah satira specialized in ballads they made the group much more commercially successful but i I don't in my opinion it kind of ruined them uh well and then he left yeah that
1: didn't help yeah
0: but this was this was uh Chicago's biggest hit internationally, topping the charts in other countries such as the UK, Australia, Ireland, Canada, and the Netherlands. And the band's only Grammy Award came for this song when it went when it won for best pop vocal performance by a duo or a group or chorus. And some people argue this is not really a Chicago song, but a Satira song, given the limited to no involvement from the other band members. Uh, when Satira left Chicago in 1985, his hits didn't stop. In 86, he had Gloria Love that went to number one and his duet with... That me. was off a movie, right? Uh, I believe so. I don't remember what movie that was. I never saw it. Yeah. Wasn't it a Karate Kid?
5: Featured in the film The Karate Kid Part 2.
0: He also because had a, of, yeah. a, a duet with uh, Amy Grant, The Next Time I Fall in Love, that made it to number four. Uh, Peter Satira is still with us. He's 78. And uh, Remember there was that commercial a few years back where the guy was saying, oh, the chicks really dig Satira. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he, he's got a great voice. But uh, I, I, I just, uh, I don't know, the ballad stuff just did it for me for Chicago and Terry Kath uh, he didn't play guitar on this one kinda, he actually kind of didn't like this song oh so he hadn't had his accident yet no nah, this was I think not too long before it, but yeah.
1: You know, I hear abracadabra in the song a little bit, like...
4: Yeah...
1: He went to his rhyming
0: book Yeah, so it's interesting. So, this is Rockin' Me by the Steve Miller Band off his album. Great song. Yep, Fly Like an Eagle. I, I went good on this as well. Well, also on our episode 24, it had been at number one the week before this countdown. And uh, any similarity between the introduction of this song and the intro to Freeze All Right Now was intentional. Steve Miller said he copied the guitar riff and. Uh, Miller had road trip radio in mind when he wrote this song. He was a big fan of upbeat rockers that go great with driving. And this was the second of three number one singles by the Steve Miller band after The Joker and before, as you mentioned, Abracadabra. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this guy uh, I worked with in the other plant said Abracadabra was kind of like the dying gasp of Steve Miller. <laughs> yeah, uh, Steve Miller's important.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah this album had uh, also had the title track and take the money and run and uh steve's still with us he turned 80 on october 5th so happy birthday a big big birthday for mr steve miller you're almost 80 <laughs> feel like it sometimes I took a nap today. So for some reason, well, I was really tired.
1: I wanted to after I took the garbage cans out. <laughs> it was recycling day. I had to do double the work.
0: Okay. Well, that means last night was
1: garbage night and the music's right. <laughs> oh, what a night. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: All right. How do they do the. Sound of the muskrat in this song
0: uh they used uh synthesized sound effects to simulate the muskrats getting it on
4: <laughs> <laughs> all right
0: i'm going neutral uh I, I i went i went bad this one's a little too much for me but yeah this is the captain and tenille off their there album. <laughs> sounds like a muskrat drowning. <laughs> it's <getting laughs> bubbles out. <laughs> yeah, this was off uh, their album Song of Joy. And... So uh, this was actually done by somebody else. Uh, We talked about this. America did it in 1973, but it only got to number 67. This version got to number four. It's also in our episode 24. It was written by Texas singer Willis Allen Ramsey in 1972. I wonder if he was in the uh, Texas Music Museum. Uh, He recorded it as Muskrat Candlelight. And the uh, muskrat sound was, pl- or is played at the end of the song and included in the end groove of the 45 singles. So when the record ended, it played it on a loop. And it wouldn't stop until you attended to the record
4: player.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, I found my Rush right LP.
0: Okay and uh kudos <laughs> dittos
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh not no, that it's rush me- <laughs> it's mega
1: dittos <laughs> and and the song is is uh time stands still which is on the hold your fire from 1987 but there's amy man did time stands still. okay I-
0: not yeah yeah i could i was gonna say uh, amy grant was kind of a uh, you know christian yeah. rocker i didn't think she'd be on rush not that yeah. not that rush or anti-christian but i i don't know <laughs> i just yeah. didn't see her doing it
1: <laughs> yeah amy but the, you said the amy yeah and that that got into my head
0: yeah yeah i know
1: nothing i probably should because i grew up in the 80s but uh because i'm in generation jones yeah J.J.
2: Hello, lucky person. You got the number right because you are talking to kid (laughs) a (laughs) dynamite.
1: Anyway. All right. (laughs) I'm going bad on this.
0: Uh, yeah, Yeah, I I went neutral. I don't really know why, but yeah, this is "Love So Right" by the Bee Gees, off their album "Children of the World." This was also in our episode 24, and Casey said at this point, this one has been in the top 10 for four consecutive weeks, and it's moving up this one got one notch higher to number three written by barry robin and maurice and barry later later stated that the song's r&b influence was inspired by the group trying to be the delphonics and, uh this album yeah, had keep trying buddy. come on yeah but this album had the huge uh disco hit you should be dancing
1: yeah that's a much better song
0: All right. i want you to look on channel 18. oh yeah i see it i think you, you showed that to me before
4: yeah it's
0: a card it? of a big ship the edmund Fitzgerald. and
1: it says on the back here postcard postcard postage required and it says the Edmund Fitzgerald launched in 1958 sank November 10th 1975 during a raging Lake Superior storm where the early, with the With gales in November early, with a loss of all 29 crewmen and uh, This is Done by Penrod Hiawatha company Barron Center, Michigan 49102 telephone number 616 616- four, six, one, six, nine, nine, three. And if you choose this as a story song of the week, you're going to get banned from the show. Okay. (laughs) Because I think you already picked it, right? I did. Yeah. Okay. Me too.
0: So yeah, the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. Another one from our episode 24. And uh, this one went to number two and as your postcard said this is a factual retelling of a shipwreck on Lake Superior in, in November 75 that claimed the lives of 29 crew members um there's a November there's, 10th uh, yes what did I say November ah, okay scales of november as he just said um so there's a there's a woman on youtube uh that has a channel her channel is called the charismatic voice and she's a like an opera singer and she does music analysis vocal analysis mostly and she just did this song a few weeks ago and uh, i'd encourage you to check it out I, she doesn't need a plug she's got a huge channel but um she she will point out the various vocal nuances and also musical nuances in it it was really interested with this, interesting with this song um, but, Do you know uh, who's
1: also an opera singer
0: uh no who lots of
1: people <laughs> Ron Paul Peel's daughter
0: Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and she was on Frank Zappa's record uh, uh oh gosh uh the niche one Ah uh, Oh my gosh, I should know this. Uh, But she sang the words on the song Teenage Prostitute Mm
4: -hmm.
1: in opera. Uh Francisco Zappa. No, that wasn't Francisco Zappa. What the heck was it? I should have been more prepared.
0: Yeah. I'll talk a little bit if you want to look it up. Um, but uh, Yeah G- Gail Liked this song Because of the line The Gales of November Because her name Was spelled G-A-L-E Church, Same as The Wind Gales And uh, As I mentioned My father Had a friend A guy he worked with Named uh, Also named Edward Fitzgerald But they called him Eddie Fitz So when this song Came out We used to just say Oh it's the wreck Of the Eddie Fitz <laughs> And uh, um, This was referenced in a Seinfeld episode because Elaine mistakenly believes Gordon Lightfoot was. uh, The the ship was actually the Andrea Doria. Jerry quips, yeah, it was rammed by the Cat Stevens. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. So the LP was Ship Arriving Too Late to Save a Drowning Witch. All right. Okay. Which also included. uh, Valley Girl.
0: Wow, what a, what an appropriate album name for this song.
1: Yeah, yeah, Lisa Popeil.
0: Okay. So,
1: yeah, put in the show notes about the uh, that lady, but uh, yeah. So in 2019, Popeil turned as a background singer with Weird Al on his. Quote, strings attached, unquote, to So she's Friday. still, you know. Coming back but wait, Sunday there's more. As the big go, no, there's no more. That, that's that's what Rod Mobile would say. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you fooled me.
0: <laughs> now how much would you pay? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to go
1: on Wreck of the Edmonton, Fitzgerald?
0: Oh, oh, that's good.
1: Me, yeah, me too. Moving my feet.
0: This, on the other hand. I'm going bad. I went bad, too. So they brought this up in that we're on disco. As as they were talking about the decline of disco, and they were saying how you know these parody songs started to come out, this came out in
1: 1976, right? Three years, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But that's what they were saying. It's like you know, it started to get the saturation, and that's when people start making fun of it. So, yeah, this is Disco Duck, part one by Rick Dees and his cast of idiots. This album, Disco Duck, real name is Rigdon Osmond Dees Third. And he was a disc jockey at WMPS AM in Memphis when he recorded the song, a satire of the disco craze that was in full swing at the time. And according to Dee's, the voice of the duck was provided by a guy he met at the gym who could pull it off. And he had a, <laughs> uh, Rick Dee's had a career as a popular DJ and also had a TV show. He also hosted. Solid gold from Paramount Television, and his voice has been enjoyed on numerous animated features, including the Flintstones, where he started as Rock Dees, and the Jetsons, the movie, where he voiced Rocket Rick. And he is still with us. He's 73 years old.
1: Because I think that Rick Dees moved to LA after this and became a big star, like you're saying. Yeah and was you know a competitor with Casey all right right and uh, so when Casey was talking about this he's like who the heck is Rick Dees it might as well be
0: Bob Steele you know? <laughs> yeah wonder if Casey knew who Bob Steele was
1: I would hope so when Bob Steele got elected to the Broadcasting Hall of Fame so yeah I'm sure Casey was there as the MC yeah. he could do everything yeah Alright, this is the number one song for the week ending, November 13th, 1976. This is Rod. Stay
4: away from my window. Stay away from my back door. Disconnect the telephone line.
0: I thought it was coming <laughs> Yeah
1: So I'm going neutral on this
4: I
0: did too Let
4: me pull a good long drink So
1: There's September, November. Excuse me, October. <laughs> don't mix them up. September, <laughs> October, November. What's what's December? December?
0: Uh, oh, or is it? Know. Is are we done? I, I guess we're done. I don't know. Would it You're be? You're clever. Yeah, I'm trying to think.
3: and before your race was born I have awaited a question
0: Rick D Semper
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are clever yeah well this is Rod this is the number one song for the week ending uh November 13 1976
0: yeah. and uh are we done yeah, yeah, so that I'll just mention it was off his album, A Night on the Town, huge song. And uh, Casey said this was Rod's first appearance in the number one spot since 1971's Maggie Mae. And Rod's still with us. He's 78 years old. Beautiful. Okay, what happens next? All right, so now is the time where we do our ratings and picks and such. So the first thing we do is uh, pick that song that we think will torture the other guy at the song that we call your agonizer, please. please. No, Mr. Spock.
1: I'm going to agonize you with number 27.
0: Yeah, you remember it? I do, yeah. Um, it, it's, it, yeah, this is just a, a sloth of a song. <laughs> <laughs> this is You Are My Starship
1: by uh, Norman Connors featuring somebody. It's cut off.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a big song. Didn't remember it. Um, yeah. I guess if I wanted to... My life... Those off. I might put this on. Don't go to sleep yet. It's like, is it your? You are my Jefferson starship. <laughs> <laughs> I <was> like,
1: <laughs> you are my George Jefferson starship.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. um Yeah, good choice. I, I don't think I, I would like to listen to that one too much. Uh, I picked something that's uh, much more well known for for you, and that is uh, number eleven. I went Sap. Although, I don't know. I could have easily picked... Maybe I picked it before the uh, uh, the Alice Cooper one, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember seeing... I never saw Piss the first time around. I was too young, and I didn't know who they were. But I did see them in the reunion tour in 1996... At the big hockey arena in the big city. And Peter Chris came out and sat on a crate and sang this. And I think, you know, Gene and Paul and
4: Ace, oh, you know.
0: Yeah. uh Bring it around. To, this is a great place to bring it up, though. There was that thing I saw on the the X where somebody had posted it was a selective service card for the Kiss Army. And, oh, yeah. And it had the, the guy that was like the. The head of the Kiss Army or whatever was Mr. Bob Steele. That's
1: right. He's from he was from Illinois, like down in Evansville or something, right? (laughs) And I tell you, you sent me down a rabbit hole on that. So thank you, thank you for that. And yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So I I went to Canada with uh, Ann Wilson's uh, boyfriend to (laughs) escape the draft into the Kiss Army.
1: All right, Mark. What's your best <laughs> song of the countdown?
0: Yeah, I. You're you're probably gonna not like that. I pick this, but um, I, I had to because because I love thing the,
1: by ELO.
0: No, Oops. no, no. But uh, I I love the album. I've said it before. When when it came out, it was like nothing we had ever heard before. Are oh, you are gonna uh, go to Boston? I, yeah, I went with number fifteen. You know how hard it is to drive around Boston oh do i ever yeah <laughs>
1: you know we were up there two weeks ago for homecoming and you know once you get into 128 in the mass pike in route 9 and commonwealth avenue deacon street you know it's a great song
0: it's a um, free for all up there. This song, well, no
1: free for free for all, is
0: what? Edgar Winter, <laughs> yeah. But that's um, a Johnny Winter, no, that's so, Edgar Winter. So I want you to try this, and all our listeners to try this because I always keep because uh, I got bad breath. I always keep uh, a cana. Oh. Altoids or TikToks and uh, TikToks
4: and TikToks. TikToks, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's the brand you get from uh Ocean State job lot. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know when the when the part of this song that I always yeah. pick up the the, the uh, box of altoids and shake it to the beat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyway, great song. That's a,
1: that's a little TMI. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> What's your best song in the countdown, my friend?
1: Number 33.
0: Yeah. I should pull up. I, I wrote down what I had in previous. I I, I didn't look. Or, or I, I might have broken the rules. Yeah. This is a great song. Yeah. yeah. And... You know, Boz,
4: and,
1: uh, not Marty Page. That was the father. Who worked with Mel Torme in the fifties. What's his name again? <laughs>
0: Let me get back to it. What, what
1: number was this? This was number thirty-three. David, David Page, yeah. yeah, and uh, and they were in. In toto with whom? Your neighbors?
0: Yeah, the, uh, the brothers Pacaro. Oh, you said it right this time. <laughs> yeah, you, you made me nervous. I was panicking. <laughs> you, to me, you would say Pacaro. Yeah. <laughs> or caro Pacaro. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm really close, so I'm going to go to... Uh, I'm going to go to my... Uh, guilty. Oh no! Crap! No, we have to. We got to do the worst songs. Well, I'm still close.
0: All right. All right.
1: Here we go.
4: This
1: This song is horrific. (laughs) And I don't care that he was in Three Dog Night,
4: or (laughs) the Guess Who, the Guess Who,
1: (laughs) or Bachman Turner Overdrive. Ugh.
0: Yeah. No said I swear, someone else did this, or didn't Melissa Manchester do a similar song? Oh, don't cry out loud. That's what I was thinking of.
1: No, yeah. that was Maureen McGovern.
0: Yeah, or <laughs> <Irma> McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. I, I agree with you. This is not 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 that good. <laughs> All right, I'll stand tall with my uh, worst song of the countdown. And uh, I went with number
2: five.
0: Way up the chart. Yeah. Um, I had previously picked Disco Duck in, in, a, in a previous episode. So. Um, I uh, I guess this was my next choice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, Tony's voice here. Uh, I just yeah, she's she's great, and yeah. I love I I love that icky
1: part of it. You do okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the captain was was being very uh, clever with his Sinclaver, or whatever he was using to make that. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it wasn't a moog or moog. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: What is your guilty pleasure?
0: Yeah. uh, So as usual, it's a guilty pleasure, but it probably shouldn't be a guilty pleasure because I like it outright. Maybe it's a guilty pleasure because it's sort of a silly subject matter. But I went with number nine.
1: I love the video. What were they on? Don Kirshner's rock concert or something or doing maybe, this? Maybe,
0: or Soul Train maybe, or...
1: Yeah, with the big giant rubber bands. Yeah. Try, try and use those rubber bands to straighten your teeth.
0: Yeah, yeah, great song. I mean, the, making the bass sound like a rubber band, uh, it's it's genius. This, this is a fantastic song, and this... This is one of those that'll make you feel happy no matter where you are. So. Oh, yeah.
4: All right.
1: I'm going to go to something very similar, okay? All right. My Guilty Pleasure. Which, you know, after Disco is over, and I think I have Casey and the Sunshine's fan. Sunshine's, <laughs> help me out. Uh, greatest Hits, um, up here with a CD collection. What a great song! Love it. Yeah,
0: yeah. All, all his stuff. Just like I talked about, Robert Man. This is another feel-good song. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go
1: for the uh story song of the week, which is right next door. listen
3: to the story about a man named Jed. The poor barely kept his family fed. That'll be the day. When you say goodbye,
1: it's sort of a story. I can't pick Edmund Fitzgerald. You
0: you no. Know that
1: so, yeah. that'll be the day when that I die.
0: Yeah, and interesting that that was inspired by John Wayne. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I as well could not pick wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I we we had a debate about. You know whether that Edmund Fitzgerald was the story song of the decade? <laughs> <laughs> really, really hard to beat that one. Uh, maybe Taxi. Yeah, but um, or maybe
1: uh, that Steve Miller song, uh,
0: "Take the Money and Run." Take the money and run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, so I, I had to pick something different. So I went with the uh, number twenty.
3: Cold late so long ago, Ooh, the so Magic strong. Man.
0: Yeah, and I think I picked it partially because I I just love and keep thinking of uh the Wilson's mother <laughs> worried about her
4: daughter.
1: <laughs> well, she's a good mother. Yeah. That's one thing you want is a good mother. So.
4: All right. Cool,
0: so uh You you got something for the uh, most divergent songs?
3: Yes, I do. Are you sitting up straight? Oh, no, it's not that. (laughs)
0: Maybe I better sit up straight.
1: (laughs) You better sit up straight. Okay, hang on. All right. I found it. It's a living thing. Okay. Interesting. All right. All right. So you're living. For those of you that have a YouTube machine. This is a, one of the worst videos ever made.
0: Oh, right. uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible.
1: And,
4: yeah. All right.
1: Enough of that. And that is teamed up with number 12.
0: Ah, okay.
4: Yeah.
1: So you're living... And meanwhile, the reaper is coming.
0: Whoa. Yeah, makes makes good sense. Yeah, good job on that one. All
1: right. Took me a long
0: time to figure that one out.
1: So Almost as long to, to find it's a living thing on my hard drive. All right, what do you got? What are your Divergent songs?
0: Yeah, yeah, I went uh, sort of a different theme. Um, so first song I picked was uh, number 23.
1: All right, play that funky music, All
0: right? Yeah, because you know they with this band. We told the story; they were kind of hard rockers. But then the guy in the audience yelled out, "Play that funky music!" And uh, so they started playing that funky music, and that is juxtaposed to number six. Okay. Keep on rocking me.
1: <laughs> number song is called Rock Me. Right. (laughs) Okay. We didn't have a lot to work with this week.
0: No, no. It it wasn't (laughs) so easy, but I actually think yours was better than mine. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll give you one point. Well, thank you.
1: But you're the clever one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Did come up with uh, Rick December. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: Alright, so let's look at our ratings. So, uh, I had 19 good, you had 17, I had 5 bad, you had 4 bad, you had 18 neutral, Ooh. I
0: had 11 neutral, I had 5 sad, and you only had 1. Wow. Yeah, so, I'm pretty close on the good songs. And and the bad, but um we, we, we diverged on you uh, saw a lot more sap in this than I did. Uh, fair though. There was there were some good amount of sap. So uh what'd you give for a letter grade? B minus I went B minus as well. Um, there's there's some iconic songs in this countdown for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff you hear, including the one we're listening to right now, uh, you will hear on classic rock radio all the time. I went B with the new, all the neutrals I had, and then and then just the bads and the saps uh, gave it that. Mind. Right. Uh It's it's interesting though. So look, as I said, the top twenty. In this countdown were all repeats just about from our episode twenty-four. And I gave that countdown a B minus as well. So I'm just sticking to You're cheating. Same. No, no, I have no, no idea what I gave. I I, I, I gave this one the B minus before I went back and looked.
4: So okay.
1: All right, we're going to roll out with this. There are a lot of other songs we could roll out with, but this is great. So you can find us on the Twitter or the X at at 70s Weekly or at 70s Weekly. Uh, Mark likes to put stuff up there because he controls the Twitter machine for us. Thank yeah. you, Mark. Uh, since you retired, you have the opportunity to do that. Um, <laughs> and, and you find a lot of good stuff up there, too. And uh, if you like this podcast, take a listen in to the Twitter. But, uh, my goodness, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. Are we going to have a Thanksgiving uh, episode? I
0: I don't know. We we haven't uh, discussed it fully, but I think we'll have something. Okay.
1: All right. So this is the middle of the month of November, and uh, so so Mark, what would our buddy Casey say?
0: <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed here. Somehow I, you might have to say it if you've got the paper printed out because I I accidentally deleted what I wrote.
4: <laughs> well.
0: You do your best, Casey, for a change. <laughs>
1: keep standing tall and keep avoiding the lowdown.
0: <laughs> there you go. Another uh, great time recording this, Pete. And, uh, All right, back at you.
1: Okay, best of everyone out there in the podcast <laughs> land.